0: Hi guys, I'm Emma and I'm Isabel and welcome back to another episode of Comms by Bravo. Hey guys. So good to be back. <laughs> I said to Julie on Monday's episode that every single time we're off for a week, the second I get back on in front of a mic, I feel like I'm having imposter syndrome. I know. It is
1: really weird. And it also feels like we haven't spoken in a week when really we're constantly <laughs> in contact every second of every day, but I don't know. It felt kind of weird. Like, hmm, what is
0: Emma thinking about Dorit this week? (laughs) I know. It is such a bizarre sensation that you really can't understand until you're sitting here. It is. It's so crazy. So big news that I'm sure you all are aware of by now. Taylor Armstrong is joining Real Housewives of Orange County. She is the first housewife ever to make the jump across franchises since Housewives premiered back in 2006 with Orange County. I don't know. I've seen mixed opinions on this. I am so deeply here for it. Same. I think this is a
1: really smart move. And the more and more that they're doing to really gain interest in this upcoming season, like, I feel like there's not enough that they could do. So to bring Tamara in and to have Taylor Armstrong on as a friend of, which is also an important thing to note and not a full time housewife, I mean, come on, I'm sold. Like, I I think that is the smartest move they could make because they really had to bring out the big guns.
0: For me, it wasn't even so much that Taylor really delivered at Bluestone Manor and I'm thinking that she's going to bring it now to Orange County. It's not even so much that. I think more so it's that one of the reasons I think my interest was dwindling in Orange County was because we were losing the depth, like there was no more history. And so you're bringing back Tamar, we have Heather Dubrow back, we're bringing in Taylor. It just feels like it's adding some depth back. Taylor being on Ultimate Girls
1: Trip was in some ways, priming us for this to happen. And I think it just is sort of the perfect follow-up. But overall, this has nothing to do with Taylor's, quote, performance. It's 100% about the nostalgia. It's that she is automatically iconic in everybody's eyes because she was there in the earliest days of Beverly Hills and brought so much to the show that just purely seeing her in an Orange County setting and on a different show is like a thrill enough for me, truly, even if nothing that crazy happens.
0: I got to tell you though, if I'm Vicky, I am livid. Absolutely livid.
1: I can't imagine what is going on on Vicky's text messages, especially with Tamara, but even with the other women that she's been on the show with in the past or with Andy and producers just absolutely flipping out. Do you think that they'll add her in the mix?
0: I feel like they have to, just as a friend of, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm off. I just feel like, you know, think about it. So much of Tamara's time, I have to imagine, is occupied with Vicky anyway, that it would definitely be a natural integration. No part of it would feel forced. Well,
1: I don't know how much in real life and all the time that they're actually spending together or talking. Definitely talking, but not spending physically together. So maybe
0: they'll bring her on just for a couple cameos just to – make us all happy and make her happy we were talking about this exact thing maybe a month or so ago and i don't remember if we ended up cutting it or we kept it in the episode but i remember saying i really think taylor going to oc would be such a seamless integration and (laughs) when i saw that news i was like wait a damn minute
1: i know that felt like such a faraway dream that could never happen and then it it did happen and god it really makes me happy i have to say and this history making
0: are you kidding she's making history this is the real question, though. When did they decide this? Was this a decision pre-Ultimate Girl Strip was ever even filmed? Was it something that they decided after the fact based on how she got along with Tamara and Vicky? Was she on Ultimate Girl Strip because they were priming us for this? That is a question I would love to have answered. You know, when she was filming at Blue Stone Manor, did she know she was coming back? Is that one of the reasons she was creating what some of us would describe as unnecessary drama with Brandy? I don't know. I would love to know that timeline. Um, Those are all very... Very valid and questions I would love to know. (laughs) Okay. I feel like it's only fitting to start with Southern Charm because we just finished watching Catherine and Olivia on Watch What Happens. How do you feel about that?
1: I feel great. There's a lot to get into.
0: Yeah. I mean, we were off last week. We're obviously not going to dissect last week's episode in its entirety, but the one scene, or I should say one of the scenes that needs to be discussed in order to set us up for this week is that conversation between Caleb and Naomi at Olivia's. (laughs) I just rewatched it before we started recording this. The interaction between Caleb and Naomi, just that, was three minutes flat. And I swear to you, I could do an entire podcast on just those three minutes. Every
1: second is interesting because it shines a light into where everybody's coming from and the dynamics that clearly go into play. I mean, it was not like a duo I was expecting to have something sort of go down. But now, what a good topic
0: for everybody to talk about. Well, here's the thing. I almost wanted to say to Caleb, did you forget that you are fully mic'd and that entire conversation <laughs> was recorded? Because after basically shit talking your girlfriend even if it was valid for the last 3 minutes, you now go over to her and tell her that the person you're in the conversation with just because it so happens to be her enemy, you know, is this terrible person that tried to manipulate you, which is all fine if there were no cameras there, but <laughs> we're about to have a shit show at the reunion, obviously as we know Catherine and Caleb are no longer together. But you know, I don't know, maybe I'm off or maybe I was naive in the way that I had been viewing him, but I was rooting for the guy. I actually felt that up until this episode throughout the season, I was much more on his side than on Catherine's side because I find her to be just perpetually immature. And I still do, but he is no saint. I mean, that was so not chill. Like, this is your girlfriend. She absolutely despises this woman. Even if this is your best friend, to talk about the person you are dating to them while the person is present is wrong. But now you're going to do it to their enemy and then turn the entire conversation around as if she's the one that <laughs> made you say it? Like, are you okay? Yeah, to protect yourself. I mean, what's I
1: found interesting here is we are figuring out the level of comfort that Caleb and Naomi have for each other in this moment. Like we're basically finding out here, oh, we, they've been friends for longer than Caleb has known Catherine. So when Caleb in this conversation offers up like the first piece of information, it's like, okay, you made the first move. Like you've made your bed and like now you have to lie in it. Like Naomi wasn't pulling anything out of him. And if she had tried, he if he didn't want to, he wouldn't have done it. But he came in like ready to be vulnerable and ready to share his raw emotions and like some negativity that he feels in his relationship. So I think that set Naomi to feel like, oh, he feels comfortable. Like, I'm going to read the cues and I'm going to fire back some questions. I'm going to ask him some things and make sure his best interest is being met. It wasn't her fault
0: that she went deep because he set the scene. Listen, I'm not saying that she didn't enjoy it. I'm not saying that she didn't derive a certain level of enjoyment and almost fun from knowing that her arch nemesis's boyfriend is seeing all of the things that she dislikes in this person as well. She's not completely removed from that, but if someone is telling you all of these things that are objectively toxic about a relationship, was she supposed to stay quiet? I mean, especially as someone who just came out of a relationship filled with so much toxicity. I think you have a responsibility if you're receiving that information, unless you're gonna say, I'm sorry, I have to walk away from this conversation. If you're choosing to engage, you have a responsibility to at least answer honestly. And it wasn't like what she was saying was unhinged or completely biased. I felt that her responses were an accurate read of the situation you can see Caleb's wheels turning as he walks from the bar,
1: ending his conversation with Naomi and going to Catherine of like, okay, these 30 seconds right now are very vital into how this is going to go down with Catherine because we know Catherine is explosive and probably was pissed already that he was even interacting with Naomi, let alone eventually her finding out that he is like spilling his heart out and complaining about his relationship with her. So he, in that moment, immediately went on the defense and did, honestly, to give him credit, a smart move in saying, oh, Naomi's such a fucking bitch. Like, you know, she was trying to get this out of me about our relationship. Of course, Catherine will believe him. Everything here is set up for her to completely believe him and to be pissed at Naomi and to think that the conversation went one way when it really went another. And I think now when they film this reunion, Caleb and Catherine not being together she will completely
0: see it from that side and will be like, yeah, he was a fucking asshole. Well, even tonight on Watch What Happens, when Andy asked her, when you were watching that scene, were you more pissed at Caleb or more pissed at Naomi? And she said, I hated watching it for both of them, but I was definitely more pissed at him because Naomi doesn't owe her anything. They already hate each other. This is your boyfriend at the time. like, right. And I, I guess I was glad that that was her response because – Any, you know, dislike she has towards Naomi is totally valid, but there's only one person there that you really can be mad at, and that's your boyfriend. Naomi owes nothing to Catherine. Caleb
1: is literally her boyfriend. They just got back together at this point, so you would think that he would be sort of, Walking on eggshells. And all this to say, everything Caleb said to Naomi was a hundred percent valid. And I actually think Naomi was giving him really good advice of like, you don't have to be stuck in this relationship. You know, don't have a savior complex. Like, just because you're saying she's your girl doesn't mean you need to be miserable. Like everything she said was true. And I could actually feel she was passionate because she didn't want him to be stuck in a bad situation. But it could have
0: been much better coming from anyone else, in Catherine's eyes, at least. Well, I think that for Naomi, honestly, in addition to maybe, yes, any you know subliminal satisfaction she got from the whole thing, I do think there was a part of it that was maybe slightly triggering for her. You know, She just left this relationship that was filled with a lot of red flags. And now someone who she's known for a very long time is recounting a situation to her that is filled with red flags. Of course she's going to react in that way. I mean- It was just so crazy the way that he flipped that. I mean, what I wanted to say to Catherine was like, you think you're pissed just for the conversation happening? Wait until you get these tapes.
1: Exactly. But I think she also is such a master manipulator. It just makes sense that like Caleb would pull a move like that. You know, I think that's just sort of like the toxic environment that they're used to of things just going
0: down like that. Well, I honestly think, and again, I may sound naive for saying this, When I was watching these episodes up until this one, I was like, wow, how is a guy that is this level-headed with Catherine, who isn't a bad person necessarily, but she is just slightly unhinged, and I'm watching this, I'm like, it makes a lot of sense. They're both in it for the drama. You know, he is not as innocent in this as I thought he previously was. And honestly, I've seen a lot of comments or criticism about him really wanting to blow up his potential celebrity, which I don't think is a criticism. Anyone who does reality TV, clearly you want to be famous, but- That was definitely more at play here. Absolutely. I mean, he could be easily a full-time member on the show. Easily if he wanted to. And you could tell that that was maybe something he's working towards. Which, again, if that's his M.O., that's totally fine. But let's not pretend like, you know, here you are, this boyfriend of Catherine who only gets the shit under the stick and has no part in feeding into that because that's just not the case. Totally. So that obviously effortlessly leads us into the Naomi and Craig situation because the whole reason, according to her, that she wants to have coffee with him is to really break down the situation, which, yeah, of course it could have been a phone call, but I do have to at least question, is that her or that's the producers? I know, because to me, it is so dramatic that they
1: immediately need to meet in person to talk about this. Like You would think it was the craziest groundbreaking dirtiest secret gossip that she'd ever heard in her life and it's really like hey i'm in no position to talk to Catherine, but you're a good friend to her and this is kind of how caleb was talking can you do it great like <laughs> they could have had that chat on the phone or on text faster than she could order her chai latte
0: Right, which they happen to be out of anyway. So <laughs> I know I hate when that happens. I hate when that happens. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the page thing, I think that she was totally entitled to set those boundaries. And like Craig said, she was very fair. She was very understanding about the fact that him and Naomi had just slept together a mere few months ago when they weren't technically official. So he doesn't want to push it. I think on the flip side, Naomi needs to understand that and also, you know, have a moment of self awareness and self reflection to say, When I was with Matul, there's no way he would have been down for this, and he wasn't down for it. So for her to act so shocked when all of a sudden Craig has a backbone, I also think is not so chill. That being said, my only criticism on Craig in this is the way he went about it I felt to be slightly flawed. I almost felt like he went into the coffee with the expectation that Naomi should know where he was coming from. and. How would she know that he hasn't acted like that up until this moment? So if he right. just presented it a little more clearly and not went in with such a puss on his face, I, I felt like it we could have been saved from a lot of awkwardness. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the counter argument to that is there's no way Naomi would have received this well regardless, but he definitely could have helped his case by being a little bit more direct. What do you think? I think, yeah, like
1: Naomi doesn't know exactly day to day where he stands with Paige and how serious and how fast their relationship is moving. How should she be a mind reader to know, like, what's okay one week and not okay the next? You know, like, it's totally fair. He's allowed to have whatever boundaries he wants to have, but he can't expect everyone around
0: him to just follow suit without ever saying anything. Right, exactly. And honestly, who's to say exactly what they're both feeling? But I think just in terms of where they're at in this scene and at this moment in time, my perception is Craig doesn't want Naomi back. He's thrilled with Paige. He genuinely views his life in the direction of ending up with Paige. I think he'll always have a little bit of a soft spot for Naomi. And also, I was having this conversation with Ryan Bailey. There's a part of him that always wants to prove himself to Naomi, and I don't think that that will ever go away. On the flip side, I think in this moment, Naomi is over the course of these weeks, having a realization that Craig could have been the one, like in a very strange role reversal, I almost feel like it's her realizing that he's kind of the one that got away, even if she never fully got there and maybe doesn't feel that way now. I don't don't know. Where do you stand on that?
1: Well, I think Craig overall is definitely having like a transformation. And in this moment that we're seeing him have coffee with Naomi, this is still like the very beginning of that transformation beginning to happen. But I think it's like a mixture of where he's at in his life, his career, and this relationship with Paige. It feels like the most mature and serious relationship that he's been in. So Naomi did now see him as this sort of like Craig 2.0 and the actual like mature version of that is actual marriage material versus like the fuckboy boy boyfriend. She's like, oh shit, if I had stayed in it for the long haul, this is what I would have ended up with. Who's to say that's actually what would have happened? I mean, you know, everybody changes and all of these experiences contribute to ha- who he's become. But even Catherine on Watch What Happens Live tonight was saying she hung out with Craig and Page last night and that his whole energy is different and them together is just magical and he's a completely different person. And I think Naomi, of anyone, is feeling that. Like, if you and I are sitting home feeling that, imagine how his ex-girlfriend who they lived together and she, at one point in time,
0: imagined building a life with feels. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? I think that for her, she's having like a total mind fuck, and it's happening not only in front of him, but also on camera in more ways than one. You know, let's not forget, she's also just coming out of this really toxic relationship. And so, in addition to how objectively evolved Craig has become, it's also in comparison to. A really unhealthy dynamic she was just experiencing. You know, I think that there's something to be said for when it comes to Charleston, that there's probably a comfort in ending up with someone else who's also from Charleston because they kind of just get the way they do things there. But honestly, I think that for Craig, ending up or potentially ending up with someone like Paige that really looks at it from a different angle is maybe one of the best things he could have ever done for himself.
1: Yeah, that's what I think Naomi though is looking at him as like her safe comfort place. Like she knows his background. She knows his friends. She knows his family. It's sort of like her comfort zone. So coming out of this relationship with Matul and going back to him is sort of like coming home again. And it must be really hard because I think there's probably a huge part of her that feels like maybe he'll just want me back, especially because they had those times where they slept together. Like I think that also really messed her up. And I'm not saying she's jealous and crying and
0: wants him back that badly but i'm not saying she's not well yeah i mean when she was in her confessional in the light blue dress she said something i don't have the exact line but something like you know if craig's in a relationship with Paige, i am not going to be the one pursuing anything you know let that be very clear she didn't say i'm not i don't want to be pursuing anything with him i think right. that if Paige, you know like i think that if Paige wasn't in the equation and there's nothing wrong with that that she would be handling this a lot differently Right, because if you read between the lines,
1: it's like, I will respect his relationship. Okay, so if he's not in a relationship, that means you would definitely be continuing to pursue it. So that definitely, I mean, God, tangled web dynamics going on here.
0: Yeah, it's really, really tangled. I, I don't know. I, Charlotte's I'm so... web is literally shaking. <laughs> literally. I just find it so interesting, and I think you know maybe part of that is if you've been – in a relationship where you maintained a friendship with your ex and maybe some sort of sexual contact, you know how challenging it can be to navigate this new territory. And so I just feel like we're getting a really authentic view of that. It doesn't feel like bullshit to me. I mean, some of the stuff is obviously slightly contrived. Maybe they wouldn't be having coffee in person to discuss the Catherine situation. But when you have an ex that there were that many emotions involved, this shit is real. Alexa, play That Should Be Me by Justin Bieber, <laughs>
1: as my friend Julie
0: likes to say. <laughs> okay, Madison and Austin and Olivia. This whole thing is so- Oh, God. Talk about Charlotte's
1: fucking web.
0: So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. It's so ridiculous. And tonight when Olivia was on Watch What Happened, she gave a lot of insight into where she's at with Madison, which is basically they are not at all friends. And she kind of alluded to the fact that Madison still is hitting up Austin late night, you know, saying, I just want to stop the fighting. And to me, I was really thinking about this before we started recording. And I guess my opinion could change. But in this moment, I think Madison and Austin are each 100% as guilty for maintaining this toxicity. I think the only difference is that Austin can't hide his cards in the same way that Madison can. She has much more of an ability to come across as calm, cool, and collected and is like, why? Why is he getting you know all upset and bothered by this? Meanwhile, she's pulling some shit behind the scenes and he just lacks that eloquence. Totally. It's a vicious cycle. He makes a comment, she lashes back. Then he makes
1: a comment that she won't let it go. And then she's like, well, you're the one who said it first. And it's just over and over and over and over and over. And I mean- Like you're engaged, like let forget about Crow the Warrior King at this point. Like it's enough. (laughs) He needs to let it go. She needs to move on with her life. I mean, the first thing that you think of when you get engaged shouldn't be like he didn't congratulate me, or like what's he gonna say, or what's Austin thinking when I walk into
0: this party. Like literally, let it go. But by the way, POV you're madison's fiance you know how pissed, like you know how pissed i would be if i get engaged to someone and then i see them on television being visibly upset that their very toxic ex didn't congratulate them it is so
1: bizarre and then he's upset because she didn't personally call him up to like let him know that she got engaged like what do you mean austin you were supposed to watch her amazon
0: live like the rest of us Right, <laughs> exactly. these two are so it makes sense it really does make sense why they were in that cycle for so long because neither of them can let it go and you know why they're just made for each other honestly in a way yes if it didn't if it wouldn't just completely blow up i mean it's so bad i i don't i don't really think though that olivia was at all in the wrong for inviting her i mean she said it even tonight i watch what happens she was like we had been pleasant. I didn't want my opinion of her to be entirely formed by what he said to me. I get it. If For him, that's a deal breaker because his mindset is so warped on the whole thing. But I, st- I don't think she did anything wrong. I don't either. Yeah, I don't know. They, they need they need some serious help. You know, by the way, Sumi fucking love Pringle on my screen.
1: Poor guy. He just wanted to be invited to Charlotte with the boys. He just wants to help Catherine get Caleb's attention. Like, he's just a great guy. Do you think that he's hot? Like, I don't know. I just have a thing for all the guys on this show. So who's to say? I know. I know. Oh, <laughs> sometimes wait. I'm like, Whitney. Oh, I could definitely be
0: I could definitely be <laughs> Patricia's daughter-in-law. I was going to say, that's not an attraction to Whitney. That's an attraction to Patricia's Bergen collection. A hundred percent. I actually am glad you said Shep because I want to talk about what Olivia said on Watch What Happens Tonight when they were talking about Shep and Taylor's breakup. And she said, you know, I know that it started as a break and there are some things that he needs to work through and it's not fair for her to be on pause while he works through those things. But her tune, and she's very, very close with Taylor, her tune was that, I mean, my perception was that she feels hopeful that there's a potential rekindling. I know this is sad, but like, I hope not. Nothing's going to change.
1: Shep is the definition
0: of you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Right. I mean unless there's some real deep therapy and self-reflection and he decides I want to part ways with this old version of myself and I really want to do the whole marriage and kids thing and he really commits to that deeply, then yeah, no, it's it's completely and entirely unfair to her. Because by the way, you know, on the flip side, if he really doesn't want that and he wants a life of non-monogamy and no kids and a lot more freedom, that's totally fine. You're not a bad person for not wanting marriage and kids. It's only shitty when you string your partner along that does want that.
1: Absolutely. And like, yeah, it's just better off, truly. I mean, even seeing their interactions that weekend that he was away, her anxiety level, like that's no way to live. We said that. That is just a torturous life and you can't help but feel that way. She's not wrong to feel that way. She's been burned and she knows his past. But like, is that really what you want to set your life up for the rest of your weekends apart to be? Exactly. That's, it's
0: entirely unsustainable for both parties. Absolutely. The whole Vanita and Olivia thing is kind of frustrating in the sense that to me, it's a prime example of the entire nature of a show like this, just making the cast members look worse than they probably actually are. Meaning Vanita and Olivia were never friends. Like these levels of conversations did not need to take place for a fight that was so short lived from two people that don't even really know each other that well. But because everything needs to be dramatized, to me, it just made them both look worse than they probably are in actuality.
1: Yeah. It's like these acquaintances are all of a sudden flung into having like these deep interactions and conversations when they haven't even really scratch the surface of getting to know each other. So it's like zero to a hundred just by being on the show together and having these
0: close quarters. Also the conversation with Vanita's mom, this is a much more general statement. It's not about her specifically, but I oftentimes wonder when different cast members on all of these shows have these like very intensely emotional conversations with their parent on screen. If the parent has a warning, because in this one, I, I felt, I don't know, her mom seemed a little maybe caught off guard by it, and I just wonder if that was discussed before or what the deal was because they were going really, really deep for something that it sounded like hadn't really been discussed between them. It must be a really difficult battle internally to figure out how you
1: share your story and open up yourself really honestly and your family to the public and people getting to know you and also what is comfortable and what you can keep sacred. Like, it, it just must be a really hard balance when you get your family involved and things like that. And I do wonder like, yeah, you sign up to be on the show, but how does that work? Like your parents being on camera in the capacity, let's say Olivia's parents were tonight, where it's just like saying hi to people at a party versus Vanita having this deep conversation about her childhood and you know her mom raising her. It's
0: very, very different things that you're signing up for. I've had this thought a lot of times, but one of the examples that I remember vividly is when Leah McSweeney was talking to her parents, also kind of about different traumas in her upbringing. And I remember wondering, is this a conversation they were primed for? In comparison to when Carl, for example, was talking to his mom and you know they were talking about the death of his brother, to me, that one felt maybe slightly more planned or natural because we as the audience experienced the death of his brother on the show. So- right. I don't know. I just, it's an interesting concept that I don't have an answer for, but I would love to, you know, hear more of the behind the scenes on that. Definitely. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. so. I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com promo code CELEBS.
1: I think we are inching closer and closer to having a pair of She by joggers in our hands. And I just, I feel it coming and
0: it's so goddamn exciting. We have waited our entire lives to own a pair of anything that she makes. Are we going to do a by Shiree versus
1: Skims jogger comparison? (laughs) Yes. I was born to do a Shibai
0: Shiree Skims (laughs) jogger comparison, by the way. You have been training, like training in overtime. Okay. So obviously we missed last week, which was a whole blow up with Marlo and Kenya. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if this is right or wrong. I just... It's like, I'm so appreciative that Marlo is a full-time housewife and that she's being so vulnerable in terms of what's going on in her life. And clearly the situation with her nephews is really a huge portion of that. And no part of me thinks that she should hide it. I just still have that same feeling I had on the last episode where it's like, is there a way that you could share this that feels slightly less intrusive to them? But then I'm like, am I wrong for saying? What do you think? I just feel like she's distracted. When she's with the boys, she's
1: distracted by the show. And when she's doing the show, she's distracted with what's going on with her family. And I just want to say to her, like, just because the peach happened to be handed to you at this specific time doesn't mean it wouldn't come around again. I mean, maybe it wouldn't, but I don't know. I just think her priorities are a little bit confused right now because she has so many things going on. And I just wish that she could like sort of organize and compartmentalize it all and get everything in order.
0: Right. And it's like, I so appreciate that vulnerability, honestly, because there's nothing worse than a housewife that comes on and is completely unwilling to divulge what's really going on in their lives. I feel like we always say that's the immediate roadblock from allowing the audience to get close to someone or feel that intimacy. So I'm here for it. I just, a lot of times when she's talking about what's going on in their lives, I have this sense of like, ah, maybe I shouldn't be hearing this. And I think I was trying to examine where that's coming from. And I think for this one, I was just remembering what it's like to be in high school and feel like even your parents talking to their friends or your other family members about what's going on with you and maybe some things that you're going through and how kind of intrusive and frustrating that felt. So then I'm thinking, holy shit, this is on national television. I, I don't know. I, I get it because, you know, part of it is she's doing the show and that's helping to pay the bills. So it does benefit them, but it just, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily fair to judge, but I would be lying to you if I didn't say that it was a little bit of a complicated viewing experience for me.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think everybody sort of feels the same way. And I also think the other women on the cast, when she shows up to everything and it kind of is explaining what's going on in her life, feel this responsibility to give her advice and help her and try and figure it out. And I think they also
0: might have similar sentiments. You know what I was thinking when I was watching this episode? What? I swear to you, one of my biggest fears would be hosting any sort of a party or gathering at my house that the other women on my franchise were not pleased with because there is no drag quite like the drag that occurs in a confessional when someone is shit talking someone else's hosting abilities. I mean, Kenya straight up told the caterer to his
1: face that the food was dry. <laughs> <laughs> like we think your aunt is a harsh critic of the parties. Imagine being on TV with a whole cast of women who show up and literally think that they're rating
0: it for like a reality show competition. It's traumatizing. I mean, if I'm Sonny watching that back, I'm like, holy shit.
1: I would literally be hiring Mindy Weiss to come over to set up like coffee that I'm having with somebody just just in case. Well,
0: I mean, that's the thing you have to remember. Any judgment that any of the women on any of these shows would have normally is only going to be amplified for purposes of bringing drama to the confessional. So it's like you can't even probably do your average hosting. You really have to go above and beyond just to make sure that you're going to be fine when the producers right. are asking them the questions. It's like a very, by the way, very stressful.
1: But then it's like if you go too over the top, everybody should talk to you. Like it's just the name of the game.
0: You You really just have to like dodge the bullets as they come. Well, that's why to me the dream is taking everyone away somewhere. So at least I know mm-hmm. for a fact they can't be shit talking my house or the decor in my house. You know, it's so, like a safe space. So when she's going to Jamaica on this all expenses paid trip, I'm sure that feels safe. It's kind of like when Kathy Hilton took them to the Fairmont or whenever they went. You know, like yeah, but the house that you pick and the
1: service and the food and the accommodations all better be up to par, which is sometimes out of your
0: control, and that's also scary. But think about it, in the last episode when Marlo takes them, you know, to the mountains, I knew that was one, that was one thing that she was not going to do was allow Kenya to shade her choices. You know, like right. whatever issues they're having fine, but she's going to take them to the absolute nicest place so that that's one thing that can't be criticized. Totally. What do you think about Todd and Candy's marriage?
1: I think they're just very different people and I saw a lot of people having this conversation online about parenting and you know, step parenting and everything. And I think from the very beginning, we've seen Todd and Candy have a very different perspective on not just parenting, but money and spending. And it was always a really big conversation with Candy and her mom about money and this and that. And like, I think this is sort of just where they're at now. And I think their kids being able to now see the differences on their own because they're adults is a whole new dynamic that we never really been a part of before. And I just thought this conversation was
0: fascinating. It was fascinating because it was so real. And you could tell that. They are really going through this estate planning and those concerns were entirely valid that were being brought up from their kids. But okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think how I want to phrase this. I think for me, I trust Candy's perception enough to say that if she's telling us Todd is the man that she is meant to be married to, I'm going to believe her and I'm going to leave it at that. I- from my own perception, don't get it. I'm, I am still feel after all these years, a piece really? is missing for me. Yeah. And I think I'm probably in the minority on that and I'm probably wrong. I Obviously, like I said, if she's saying it's true, I believe it to be true. I just haven't gotten to the place where I think it's true because of what I'm viewing. I'm only believing that it's true because she's saying that it's true and I trust her so much. To me, totally something to be said for opposites attract and you can thrive in differences, but it just feels like a a struggle, and and uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm off. That's I'm just like being t- completely honest. You think we should cut this, or it's fine just say? No, it's
1: fine. I did not know you felt that way because I don't feel that way. How did you feel then when they had the conversation about whether she should take that second Broadway show or not, and he was like so encouraging with her?
0: Well, exactly. That's one of those moments where I'm like, clearly, much more of this must be happening than we see. And that's exactly why I trust her perception. So no, I love to see that. I'm happy to give credit where credit is due. I think that the way that he built her up and, you know, just had unwavering faith in her was beautiful and like that's what you want from wow. your partner. It just feels it just feels like difficult. It feels like so many yeah. things are a struggle. But I'm also not married. I'm sure marriage is really, really difficult. I, you know, I trust her. I'm just saying I have a hard time personally viewing it. So interesting. Wow. I'm so glad we got
1: that out tonight. I would love to know what everybody else thinks. I love Todd and I think I was always just Team Todd because the way that their relationship was set up in the very beginning, it was like, of course, you felt bad for him and you rooted for them and you knew he loved her and all of that. And I just, I don't know. I feel like that sort of has stuck. And I think they have a cool, a little bit unconventional relationship where they do business, they sort of do their own thing, they sort of parent in their own way, but they're also just like this really interesting team but wow I'm curious to see if a lot of people feel that way and if anybody's feelings either changed or were magnified after watching them tonight talk about the money stuff because I think that definitely the money and the way that they sort of quote spoil or give to their kids is definitely a the big if not one of the biggest the biggest sort of sore point
0: in their relationship. Well, I thought that it was really commendable about how, after all was said and done, he said, You know what? That conversation hurt, but you're right. I probably wouldn't do things in the way that you would want it to be handled. So, you probably should give it out in the way that you were talking about. So, I can appreciate that. I mean, listen, again, I don't think that I'm right, like at all. I'm just, you know, being totally honest in my perception, but I think that I'm no. very much in the minority. I
1: think it's very important for you to share your feelings. I also think this is a new environment we've seen them we've seen them talk about this stuff when it was just the two of them now to have their two adult children and then to have to figure it out for these are their children that have like grown up separately and whatever and then their two youngest kids which they really have to make decisions about together because they're minors and they're their children together and not sort of like shared and came in later in the picture it's like there's three phases of this conversation and i was glad that we got to see this one
0: Yeah. And I also think that they do a really good job of making the kids' voices feel heard, which I'm sure there's conflicting opinions on that. I know some people may feel like it's a conversation that had to happen just between the two of them and not having the kids there. But I felt that if I was the child, I would like to have that transparency. Right. Me too. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. Visit livenation.com dot com slash concert to buy now. That's livenation.com dot com slash concert week to buy now. I was watching these episodes, thinking to myself how my view of Sutton has done such a 180. And I'm almost happy that it's documented because what, two months ago, I was sitting here being like, please someone help me. I see this collective celebration for her and I'm missing it. Like I I clearly must be missing something and I'm getting it now. It took me a while to get it, but I'm getting it now because in the face of what could be some really nasty conflict, she has this way of handling it in such an almost abnormal way that it is kind of brilliant. She really has quite a backbone. And I don't
1: think that's what you would expect from her. And I think also just understanding like her quirky sort of weird nature and really getting it like helps you to see these situations a little different. Is she always right? Do I always agree with her? No, but I think she's such a good housewife to have. And she really just keeps
0: everybody on their toes
1: in such an interesting way.
0: Well, I saw, you know, not criticism necessarily but a lot of people saying that she should have stood up more to Rina in the moment at Rina's house and to me I actually found that the way she handled it to be even more powerful because she initially started by I guess you could say taking the higher road but when Rina really came down hard I think her lack of engaging almost made Rina's behavior look more unhinged well I also think she was so
1: confused and blindsided because I think she was in the of the mindset of we laid this to bed. Like I was not showing up today expecting to rehash this with the whole audience. Although I think there was a part of her that felt like it was too good to be true. And she even noted, like, I knew that when you had an audience, you would like bring this up and take any opportunity you could to basically embarrass me. But I don't know. I think she handled this well. And I also think she saw that Rinna was definitely drunk and that what she was saying, like, although mean and pretty harsh, didn't have, like, a ton of weight behind it, because, like, the whole argument is somewhat really ridiculous at this point of, like, yeah, Sutton made a shady comment about you, and it was maybe harmful to you and your husband, you know, made you look bad. It maybe made you embarrassed, but it wasn't the worst thing. I mean, look at all the things Rinna has said in the past. Look what all of them have said in the past. We've we've really dealt with much bigger things. So, Nobody is so deeply invested or hurt by this.
0: No, it kind of is water under the bridge. And in response to what you were saying of when she said to Rinna, you know, well, now that you have an audience, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, that line she gave in her confessional about how the soap opera actress is so deep in Rinna that it could never come out even with an exorcism. People were like, I wish she would have said that to her face. And to me... That was a brilliant line that doesn't necessarily just come off the top of her head. I don't think in that moment she had the words to say that. I don't think it's that she was being a coward. I think that her version of saying that in the moment was saying, you now have an audience. And then when she's in her confessional and has time to reflect, probably that line came to her. But I didn't find that that was her not wanting to say it to Rena in the moment. I just don't think she had the words in the moment. I think she was completely blindsided and shocked and now reflecting on the whole conversation and
1: how it all went down and really seeing like- why we're even bringing this up again she realized oh like it's all about the show it's all about the act and maybe now Rinna has had time to sort of think what she would really want to say to really get at Sutton like she said she wants to torture her a little bit so to have that time of reflection and get to like have a second act of course she's going to seize it
0: Sutton's line was so good there it is exactly a soap opera character on a reality show I just get annoyed
1: for them when I feel that Rena's being hypocritical because it's like everything is very situation-based and I feel like that's sort of like her MO, which is fine,
0: but it's also not fine. If I'm Sutton, it's not fine. Are you kidding me? I'd right. be, I would, the other thing that's so hypocritical of this entire group is why is Garcelle's loyalty to Sutton questioned so deeply and so extensively yet no other loyalty in the group feels the need to be questioned. And to me, I feel like that comes from the fact that they all view this as a game, obviously, and there's the entire unspoken element of public perception. And I feel like everyone knows pretty well that Garcelle's view in terms of the public eye is kind of solidified. You know, she's a really good one to have on your side. And I think that in wanting to remove some of the strength from Sutton, probably your best bet at doing so is to remove her support from Garcelle. But since they can't say that and would never say that, it just feels so disingenuous because it's like, what's it to you if Garcelle wants to defend Sutton? I feel like that was the kind of conversation we were having this
1: whole episode was about loyalty and friendship and being a good friend because there was two moments that came up. It was with all of the women talking about Erica and her drinking, and it was also with Garcelle and Erica and, you know, Erica saying – You're too loyal to Sutton and she brings you down. And it's like overall, I think Crystal, I don't even know or remember which scenario she was talking about, but I think Crystal had the best take of like being a really good friend and being a loyal friend doesn't mean you blindly back someone and you just follow whatever they do and support them in whatever they do. Like my great friends will call me out or when they see an issue or they think that something needs to be done, they'll make sure it gets done. And I was so in agreement with her of that. And I felt like there was just a lot of, I don't know, back and forth. And I I felt their frustration when Kyle was just so quick with the drinking conversation to say, you know, she's fine, she's fine. She's just having fun. Like let's not go there. Let's not make her life harder. Versus Rina showing up at her house and saying, Girl, it's enough. Like stop the drinking. This is not a good situation. And I actually give
0: Rinna a lot of credit for that. No, so do I. And that's something that I do think should be acknowledged. But the nerve that Erica has to say that Sutton is a liability to Garcelle when last season, the forget about any actual legal issues, right? Because we kind of came to the conclusion that no level of involvement that the women had with Erica could actually be detrimental to them legally, even though that was an initial concern, fine. But let's talk if the sole currency here is public perception. The liability of being friends with Erica, specifically a friend with unwavering support for her, yes. is far is far higher than any liability Garcelle could ever have from being a friend to or defending Sutton. And it is so ballsy of Erica to say that. I mean, what a projection. I wish Garcelle in that moment had said,
1: you think me being friends with Sutton is a liability and brings me down or puts me in danger? Fine, believe that. But let's look at your friends. How do you think Rina feels? Even Garcelle said Erica Jane is the most controversial woman, you know, in America or whatever she said. Like, you think Sutton and her, like, petty little arguments is the biggest thing? Anyone who is still affiliating themselves with Erica after all the shit and the the rumors and the lawsuits and the things that have been alleged about her, I mean— Talk about a fucking liability. Literally, if you look up liability, it's Erica Jane. Even Bravo having her on the show is a liability, okay? Like, let's
0: talk about that. Right. And but that's what I'm saying. And even if you want to take the approach of like, you know what, they're her friends, and that's what they wanted to do. I'm not even saying that they're wrong for doing it. I'm more so saying, let's just call it like it is. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, it's you know that both was both can so, be true, yeah. And both both can be true, and also Erica is allowed to believe that, but it's like you got bigger fish to fry. Like, let Garcelle make her own decisions. But also the thing that I find so unfair with this entire accusation is that they're acting as though Garcelle is friends to Sutton in this way of blind loyalty, which she's not. Garcelle right? Garcelle treats, in my experience with watching her, I find that she treats everyone equally in terms of calling them on their shit. She just says how she feels, which, by the way, sorry not to entirely shift gears, but the crystal conversation at the end that Dorit brought up, first of all, what is going on here? I feel like this entire show continuing off of two weeks ago is the exact representation of how to handle an eating disorder conversation in the least delicate way possible. Like, yes, Crystal has been open about her eating disorder both on the show and on Instagram, but that doesn't mean that she wants the contents of a conversation she had with you privately to be divulged. Like, no, no, just because she talks about it out loud with you doesn't mean
1: that you have free reign to talk about it out loud with everyone else when she's not even part of the conversation.
0: Garcelle and Sutton, I would say, were the two out of this conversation that kind of you know, took note of how inappropriate it was and, and definitely took a step back. And let me be clear, I genuinely do believe, I know we saw a preview for next week when I believe it was Sutton sitting down with Crystal kind of filling her in on what happened and crystal saying what they were making fun of me i i genuinely didn't take it that way i don't think that they're lacking concern necessarily but they are really lacking tact and gentleness in the approach it's like very not not chill i just think that none
1: of them have that feeling of like it needs to be kept a little bit like quiet and calm and not just blurted out and like chatted about in all these other conversations. Like it really needs to be handled with care. And I feel like they're just tossing
0: it around. But that's the thing. And I feel like it's a really important line to walk because it's not that something like this needs to exist in secrecy. If the person is open about it, being able to talk about it in a healthy way is actually really beneficial because you know isolation breeds shame. You don't want to be sitting there having this secret that you then feel shameful for. So there's nothing wrong with talking about it if the person is open to it. But Talking about it when they're not present in a way that it's presented almost like gossip, that's where I feel the line is really crossed. You know, like, to me, the way that Dorit was bringing this up is no different than if she said, you know, she heard some gossip about a potentially cheating husband. Like, it it felt almost salacious in nature, and that's so not what they're talking about here. No,
1: I I agree. I just think it was not right. And, I mean, I can't even get into Erica with the chicken fingers again because that's just, like, beyond – incomprehensible, but both of those things together, I feel like it's just a lot at once for Crystal, not only to experience, but even watching the show back. It just feels like a lot of chatter, a lot of gossip, a lot of just uncomfortable commentary about something that she is already being so vulnerable, being so open about, and probably just directed in a way that she
0: wasn't ever anticipating or probably is not that happy with. No, I think she watches that scene back and she feels highly uncomfortable i have to imagine that that felt very very intrusive you're basically watching a group of women evaluate the extent of your eating disorder based on private information you shared with one of them that is so violating i mean talk about violating right i just
1: think i don't know i also felt like i didn't feel a lot of regret from dorit which actually felt really out of character for her because I thought in that moment when everyone's like, oh, she never told me that, that she'd be like, oh my God, I should not have shared that. I thought that was like, you know, something that she openly discussed and I didn't know. Like, I don't know. I just felt like there was some moment I was waiting for Dorit to feel like regretful and remorseful and she kind of didn't, which was kind of out of character for her.
0: Well, she kind of pulled a Caleb in terms of like the very immediate switch yes. when she was like well you know it's not a secret I mean she's spoken about it and she's spoken about it on Instagram like she immediately wanted to make that very clear yes. I think that the thing with Dorit I really like her and I think she's a really good person yes you know a little bit dramatized and maybe foolish at times but I think that she is a, a kind soul I think though she's very committed to being a housewife and you know she doesn't want the whole PK DUI thing to take up the majority of the storyline for this episode. So I feel like she almost had the producer mind in knowing that bringing up the crystal thing would lead into a whole new conversation. And I just think these are the types of situations where that thinking can't trump what's like morally correct and what you know to be morally correct. She she knows better. And also to serve as like a
1: reminder to the women and the audience that she has some sort of close personal relationship with crystal like i think that's also important too to feel like she's a leg up where she's on really close good terms with basically everybody who's sitting at the table
0: yeah i don't know that whole thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way i don't know i know that out of all of their houses renis is not like the most impressive but some good shit goes down in that backyard
1: harry hamlin throws a beautiful party is there anything else that you would like to mention I think that's it. I missed you so much. I'm so glad we're all caught up. I feel really
0: satisfied. I know. I feel really at peace. (laughs) Same. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. And Julie and I will be back on Monday for a regular episode.